Chapter 14 Rachel Ah! I cried. I was in a shower of flames as bits of wood and fabric fell around me. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't see. But I could hear an insane grinding noise from deep within my own body, and I knew that I was changing. In all my despair, I could feel the power flowing through me. Awesome power. But was it enough? I waited as long as I could. I wasn't done changing, but the heat was too great, and the thing that I was becoming hated the fire. A sudden surge of muscles, a forward rush. I slammed into the half-rotten logs. Crunch! The logs broke from the force of my huge body. The logs that had imprisoned me were mere sticks now. I hurtled through them and away from the burning shack. At that moment, the shack collapsed on itself in an explosion of sparks. I stood panting. I stood on four legs. I looked down and saw my front paws where hands should have been. My paws were covered in coarse brown fur, very shaggy. I had long, sharp black claws. Flash! A bear on its hind legs, roaring and swinging its mighty paws. Creatures all around, like walking razor blades. They came for the bear. Came for me. Yes, I thought. Grizzly bear. That was it. I had become a bear, was still becoming a bear, because the morphing was not completely done. What am I? I shouted, but the sound that came from my mouth was not human. Hurrah! What kind of creature was I? How could I do this? How could I become a different animal? It was insane. Insane. Maybe it was that simple. Maybe I was as insane as the woman who had burned down her shack to kill me for being a yerk. Was that it? Was I a yerk? What was a yerk? Suddenly, I heard a wild rush of wind. Not from the burning, crumbly cabin. From above. Up in the air. I looked up, but my human eyes were changing to bear eyes, and I couldn't see very well. I only saw a large shadow hovering above me. A flash of swift movement! It was attacking! The last of my human body was gone, and now I felt the full force of the grizzly bear's own mind. It was unafraid, and more than that, it was angry. No one attacked a grizzly, not if they wanted to live. I reared up on my hind legs. I must have been ten feet tall, and I knew I was mighty. <laughs> I roared. I swung my massive paw at the hovering beast. But then, a second flash of movement. Another animal, racing swiftly toward us. Rachel! Rachel! Is that you? A voice demanded. A voice I did not truly hear, except inside my head. I looked at the new creature. He had come to a stop, just a dozen feet away. I peered at it with my dim bare vision. It had four legs, like a horse or a deer. But it seemed to have a head and upper body that was almost human. And there was a tail. I was sure of that. The tail was cocked back like a weapon ready to be fired. For a frozen minute of time, we all three waited. Me, the beast in the air, and this new apparition. Rachel! Rachel! Is that you and Morph? It's me, Axe! Rachel? I asked silently. Is that my name? And then the beast made of dust attacked Axe. Chapter 15 Axe
My name is Aximili Eskaroth Isthil. I am an Andalite. It was my brother, Prince Alfangor, who gave the humans the power to morph. He had been injured, trying to drive the Yurks away from Earth. And, when he crash-landed his fighter, it was Jake, Rachel, Tobias, Cassie, and Marco who found him. It was Visser Three who killed my brother, so my human friends have told me. Someday I will avenge that death. I must kill Visser Three or be dishonored. Later, Jake and the others found me. I was the last surviving Andalite from our great dome ship. I am not one of the Anamorphs, but I fight alongside them against our common enemy, the Yurks. And while I am on Earth, I have taken Jake for my prince. I had gone along with Marco on his foolish venture to the home of the human named Darlene. I knew it was foolish, but I thought it would be better for Marco to have someone with him. Marco is highly intelligent, but he is also afflicted by a condition the humans call sense of humor. I have noticed that Marco's sense of humor sometimes makes him do strange things. But when the great beast from the sky appeared, I was powerless. Later, the humans asked me for answers. Did I know what that beast was? The humans assume I must know every terrible thing that lives in this vast galaxy. But I did not know this creature, and it frightened me. When we set off to find Rachel, I traveled through the woods. I live in the forest now. It is my new home. I ran steadily to reach the place where I would meet up with Tobias, Jake, and Marco. Then I detected the smoke. I looked up and saw a pillar of smoke rising through the trees. My eyes swept around me, checking every direction. I must always be very careful not to be seen by humans. One stock eye followed the pillar of smoke into the sky. And then, I saw not smoke, but dust. Dust that blew faster than any wind. The beast! It was coming again. I ran, faster than before, with all my speed. It had been looking for me. He had come to hunt me down, I was sure of it. Where should I run? Not toward where Jake and Marco were supposed to be. I could not lead that beast to them. But the fire. Maybe the smoke would hide me. Yes! I raced toward the smell of smoke. My hoofs flashed. My tail was tucked down tight against my back for speed. I saw a small clearing. And in the clearing, a pillar of flame. A building of some sort. It was burning rapidly. The heat blasted me. I could hear the noise of dry wood snapping and popping, flames sucking at the air. But there was a greater noise. The beast! Above me, above the fire, it swirled and roared like a storm. Then I saw another creature. It was an earth animal called a grizzly bear. It reared up on its hind legs and bellowed defiance. But that mighty voice was swallowed up in the hurricane howl of the dust beast. A grizzly bear. Rachel had a grizzly bear morph. I had seen her use it. It had to be her. Rachel! Rachel! Is that you? The huge bear swung its massive head to glare at me, but there was no thought-speak answer. Rachel! Rachel! Is that you and Morph? It is me, Axe! Rachel? Is that my name? Suddenly, the dust beast attacked. In a rush of hurricane winds, it descended on Rachel. Not on me, but on Rachel! It was her the beast wanted. She stood firm, unafraid. Rachel! I cried. Run! You cannot fight it! The beast of a hundred gnashing mouths descended on the bear. The bear swung a massive paw. It was a blow that would have knocked my head from my shoulders. 
a blow that would have punched through steel. The claws raked the dust beast's closest mouth. <laughs> the bear cried in sudden pain. Its paw was gone, simply gone. In its place was a shattered, bloody stump. What could I do? I was desperate. My tail was my only weapon. But the creature would simply grind it off as he had done with Rachel's paw. Rachel bellowed in pain from her awful wound, but she struck again. Still standing erect and defiant, she struck again with her other paw. <laughs> this time, the entire leg was gone. And now I could see human terror shining through the bear's eyes. Rachel! I cried in despair. My andalite tail was useless. I needed something else. Anything. I searched my memory. What morph did I have to fight this monster? Nothing. Nothing. Rachel's bear was one of the mightiest morphs we had, and she was doomed. There was nothing left now but to escape. No, not to escape. To follow this creature. To find where it hid. To find where it came from. I had an earth bird morph. It was called a harrier. It was very fast. I could morph and perhaps be able to follow this monster. Because one thing was certain. I could not save Rachel. The beast descended on Rachel. It enveloped her completely. I could no longer see her. It was as if a cloud was swallowing her up. The beast shifted and flowed and reformed to engulf the raging bear that was my human friend, Rachel. Shaking with fury and horror, I began to morph. And suddenly, with a speed that was shocking, the dust beast stopped. It lifted away from Rachel. It exploded upward, away from her, and came at me. Right at me. And in the few seconds left to me, I realized. The morphing. It was the morphing. That's what it was after. It was reacting to the morphing. It was the morphing energy itself that drew the beast. It lifted from Rachel. I had a flash of her bare body wrapped in living rope. The beast had not killed her. It had wrapped her up as if wrapping a gift. The living ropes dissolved to rejoin the dust beast and become part of it. A hundred miles and a thousand whirling blades descended on me. Now it was after me. And I knew that if I struck with my tail, it would leave me with a bloody stump. I could not fight it. To fight was to be shredded. I stood still. I reversed the morph and regained my complete andalite form. I felt the beast around me. It suffocated me. It choked me. It wrapped me tightly in a cocoon till I could not move an inch. I felt myself being lifted up from the ground. Up and up, faster and faster, unable to see, only able to hear the wild winds of the beast itself. But now I understood. I knew where it was taking me. I knew the purpose of the beast. And with a fear that chilled me to my bones, I realized that I knew its master's name. Chapter 16 Jake My wolf nose told me a story. The stench of burning wood was everywhere, but I could still smell blood. Something had sprayed blood over a wide area. A bear. I smelled the powerful scent of a bear. I sniffed the ground again. Human. Two different humans. And something else. A strange, alien smell. A smell like nothing I could imagine. Until I looked at the tracks. Sharp hoof marks. Axe. Axe had been here. Two humans. One wearing shoes. One barefoot. A bear. Axe. Blood. 
a fire still smoldering. What do you make of it? I asked Marco. The barefoot person had to be Rachel. So was the bear. It had to be her. There are no grizzlies in this forest. And the blood? That's hers too. Or the bear's anyway. So she was hurt bad. I swallowed anger and fear. I had to stay focused. What can hurt a grizzly? I asked, knowing the answer. A man with a gun? Marco said. Another grizzly. Or some animal that isn't from Earth. No Earth animal can mess with a grizzly bear. It was that thing, I said. Tobias swooped down low and slow. Bear tracks head north. I see tracks, but they're weird. Hind legs only, like the bear was walking erect. And blood. So Rachel and Bearmorph tangled with the dust beast, I said. She came out of it alive, but she couldn't use her front paws. That's the way it looks, Tobias said. The bear track stopped down by the stream, maybe a thousand yards from here. After that, I don't see anything. She must have morphed back to human. Which way did she go? Marco asked. Upstream? Downstream? Tobias came to rest on a branch. I don't know. I looked. I didn't see her. I should have gotten here sooner. I should have known when I let you two go that it was going after her. Tobias, no one understands this monster. You couldn't have known what it would do. None of us could, I said. It sounded reasonable, but in my mind, I was thinking that I should have known. I should have guessed. What's Axe's story in all this? I asked. Blaming myself was not the point right now. Axe is coming to meet us. He sees the fire, goes to investigate it. Maybe he sees Rachel? Or Rachel and Barrymore? Were they both here at the same time? I don't know, Marco said. Maybe. Lots of Andalite tracks all together here. Then, look, they just stop. Right here. No Andalite scent past this point. It's like he was just lifted up and carried away. Tobias said. So he gets here, sees Rachel and the beast going at it. Axe is a brave guy. He jumps into it. Rachel gets away. She's bloody, but she gets away. And Axe? Why isn't he still here? Or else, why don't we see a separate set of Andalite tracks leaving? Or at least see his body? No one said anything. We all feared the worst. I was remembering what that beast had done to Darlene's house. And to the trees. Maybe it didn't leave bodies behind. Maybe there was no body left after it was done. Andalites are tougher than they look, Tobias said. I'm with Axe a lot, out here in the forest. Don't write him off. Yeah, I agreed, trying to sound hopeful. We've been in Morph a long time. We need to use the time we have left to get to civilization and morph back. I have to at least check in with my folks, or they'll have the cops out looking for me. We can't just stop looking, Marco said. Tobias only has an hour of good light left. After that, there won't be anyone trying to find Rachel, or Axe. I'll use that hour, Tobias said. He opened his wings and flapped warily back into the sky. We'll come back tonight, I told Marco. Have dinner with your dad, then we hook up at Cassie's barn. Jake, what's going on? 
Marco asked me as we trotted swiftly back toward the road. Is this the Yerks? Who else could it be? I asked. But look, if it's Lum, then they know who we are. I mean, this thing came right after me and Axe. It went after Rachel. It went after me and you. It knows who we are. So why don't the Yerks just move in on us? Why not show up at our homes? That's the question, I agreed. We had reached the road. The bus would come by soon. It was time to demorph. That is exactly the question we need to answer. Yeah, that and the question of where Rachel is, and why she doesn't go home. And one more question, I added as I felt my human body emerge from within the wolf. How do we stay alive? Chapter 17 Cassie Radio Shack, August Woman, Godiva, The Gap, Mrs. Fields, Casual Corner, B. Dalton, Kenny Shoes, Banana Republic, Bright Lights, Color, Signs, The Smell of Cinnamon Buns, The Mall, Yuck, and worst yet, The Mall on a Saturday evening. It was crowded. It was loud. But the mall was the place to look for Rachel. Jake, Marco, Tobias, and Axe had all gone to the spot where the ice cream truck attack had taken place. Jake had asked me to look in all the other places she might have gone. He said I would know best where she hung out. Maybe that was true, but it bothered me a little. It could be a little sexist on Jake's part. Or maybe he was just trying to protect me. Either way, it bothered me. I didn't want special treatment because I was a girl. Jake would never even think about something like that with Rachel. It bothered me for another reason, too. It bothered me because part of me was just a little relieved. I was safe in the mall. Who knew what Jake and the others were dealing with out in the forest? I told myself I wasn't glad to be safe. I told myself I was just doing what needed to be done. But the possibility that Jake was in danger while I was safe gnawed away at me. It's because you told Jake about the stupid dream, I realized. Now he thinks you're losing it. Not a surprise, is it? Tell a guy you're having nightmares where you face evil and choose who it kills. He's going to maybe think you're losing it. Just the same, Jake was right. I knew the places Rachel might go. I had already checked out the gym where Rachel did gymnastics, and the frozen yogurt place where she always ordered key lime pie flavor. I'd checked the school, just because that's where she would have caught the bus. And I had scoped out her house, even though her sister said she wasn't there. Which left the mall. Wait, is that her? I muttered to myself. I stood on tiptoes to see better. No, it was some other blonde girl. I am not a shopper. To me, shopping is something you do when you have to. For Rachel, it is an art form. If she wasn't at home, she would be here. Rachel? I called loudly to a girl passing by. But as soon as I did, I knew it wasn't her. Sorry, thought I knew you. Then, suddenly, someone I did know. Someone I definitely knew. Chapman. He appeared suddenly in front of me, carrying a shopping bag from one of the department stores and heading toward the B. Dalton bookstore. Chapman, if this dust creature was linked to the Yerks, he would know. Chapman was our assistant principal at school. He was also one of the highest-ranking controllers. The slug who lived inside his brain was an important yerk. 
Chapman would know. Following him had to be more useful than wandering around the mall. But how? Morphing in a crowded mall would be dangerous. So what? I reproached myself. So don't do something stupid just to prove you aren't scared, I argued with myself. While I debated with myself, I fell into step a few yards behind Chapman. I had already made up my mind. I just had to decide how I was going to spy on him. Housefly. Yes, that was the thing. A quick morph, hook onto Chapman, and stay with him for as long as I could remain in morph. Chapman was in the bookstore, thumbing through magazines. How long would he stay in the bookstore? Long enough? Maybe. And where could I morph without being seen? I went to the back of the store. There was a storeroom with a door ajar. Inside the storeroom was a second door. A bathroom for the employees. Bingo. I glanced at Chapman. He had moved to the history section. What on earth did a controller want with history? I swallowed hard and slid into the storeroom, acting like I belonged, but also moving quickly. No one was around. I went into the tiny employee's bathroom and locked the door. I took off my shoes and outer clothing and stashed them in the trash under a lot of wadded-up paper towels. I would have to come back for them later. Then, I focused. It wasn't easy because my heart was pounding, and I really didn't like insect morphs much. I focused on the fly and prayed no one broke into the bathroom. I felt giddy. I wasn't afraid. Not too afraid, anyway. Even Rachel would have been impressed. I began to shrink. It's very weird when you morph into something tiny. One minute, your head is like four feet above the floor. Then, suddenly, your head is only two feet above the floor. Then one foot. Six inches. One inch. It's like falling, and it seems like the floor is rushing up to slap you. I mean, the linoleum seemed to be alive the way it swooped up at me. It was like being a skydiver spiraling down to earth. But there were other very disturbing things happening too. There is nothing human about a housefly. Everything has to change. Everything. My hands began to split open. Two of my fingers grew out and became sharp claws. Two other fingers and my thumb blossomed open, splitting into thousands of tiny, stickly hairs. It's the kind of thing that used to scare me to death when we first started morphing. Let me tell you, the worst horror movie you ever saw in your life is a joke compared to actually watching your own body turn into something else. Morphing is almost never pretty. The others all say I am the best morpher, that I can make it look okay. But nothing can make a fly look okay. There are no Brad Pitt flies. Flies are ugly-looking creatures. Nasty, ugly, gross, disgusting creatures. My legs were shriveling down and turning into fly legs. Sploot! Two new legs exploded from my chest, just at the bottom where my ribs had been. The legs shot out of me like huge black worms. They grew dagger-like hairs and formed joints and became as hard as plastic. And my face? Well, that was definitely unpleasant. My nose split open, forming two halves. Each half began sprouting long, sensitive hairs. My mouth and tongue melted together, then grew huge, forming a long tube with an open, spitting, sucking hole in the end. My eyes seemed to shatter, like a mirror broken into a thousand pieces. My vision was gone for a moment, and I was blind. Then it came back, but so different I almost didn't realize it was sight at all. I had gone from human eye to compound eye. Where once my vision was a single picture, now it was a thousand bits. 
It was like watching TV with your nose right up against the screen while you twist the color control knobs. The bits formed pictures, but the colors were all wrong. At last, I was done morphing. I was a fly. It is true, I guess, that I am a little faster at morphing than the others. Even Axe. I know it's kind of a stupid thing to be proud of, but I am. I beat my powerful wings, let go of my grip on the tiny ridges in the linoleum, and escaped from the bathroom by zooming neatly beneath the crack of the door. Once out, I shot quickly up for altitude and safety, and I headed for Chapman. Hey Phenomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. This is your host, Daniel. Alright, I have a couple of things here. I got a uh, piece of mail, and I got a review. The review is from L. Aaron 6 says, The best audio thing I can find. Please keep this up. The way the books are read is great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, and we are going to keep this up. We're going to keep on trucking for as long as we can, which is hopefully till the end of the series. And I also got a piece of uh, mail on on, uh, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com where you can reach me. And it is from an anonymous user that reads, Hey, I love the work you're doing here. I've been dying to reread the series, but I just haven't had the time to. So this is a great way to work my way through it again. And then like a happy face emoticon. Uh, Thank you so much, anonymous user. That's why I do it, more or less. Um, So thank you, both of you, for leaving that kind review and that kind message. I really appreciate it. If you liked what you heard here, you can hear more at audiomorphs.podbean.com or by searching Audiomorphs on iTunes or really anywhere that podcasts can be found, including Spotify now. This one's on Spotify. If you'd like to reach me, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. I'd also like to give a shout-out to my other podcast, OK Crusader, which can be found at shoutengine.com slash okcrusader, or by searching OK Crusader on your local podcast aggregator. It's a podcast where I get some guests, and we take random pages from the official Marvel wiki, and we discuss how dateable we find them. It's a lot of fun, and I'm currently on a brief hiatus for that, couple of weeks hopefully uh only so it's a great time to get caught up so go check that out i don't really have anything else to announce uh happy comic-con for those in the area it's occurring right now i kind of hate all of you because you've made my commute so much longer but enjoy it and i will just see you next week all right bye bye My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.
Hey Mike, what are you doing? I was just thinking about this idea for a Hook sequel with way more alcoholism and PTSD. Hey, what if we made a sequel to Space Jam, where instead of Michael Jordan playing basketball, they play Quidditch and it's with Daniel Radcliffe? What about a Bug's Life 2, but it's a heist? Or a sequel to Good Burger, where Kel is an heir to an inheritance, and he has a long-lost twin who is also played by Kel Mitchell. Also, Groundhog's Day, what if- Hold on, Madison. Why don't we put these pitches for movies that never got sequels or prequels on our podcast, The Equalizers? Oh, you mean the one we release every Monday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all other places podcasts are found? Yeah, that one. Ooh, and maybe sometimes we have some of our writer friends on as well to hear their wild ideas for sequels or prequels. Okay, but can you promise me no sequels with body horror, communist themes, or talk about John C. Riley's penis? I can't, and I won't. Great. Well, my Monday mornings just got pretty fucking weird. All of ours have, Madison. All of ours have. Find the Equalizers podcast everywhere podcasts are found, as well on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching The Equalizers. That's E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S, like in sequel.